Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Over the course of human history, there's been Noah's Ark, savior of mankind. St. Francis of Assisi's, foregoing his wealth to be savior of all animals. And Curtis Sliwa, guardian angel and savior of New York City, protecting both man and beast. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents... Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. From bipeds to quadrupeds and everything in between. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, exclusive to WABC, it's the Animal Welfare Hour. If you are just now listening to our regularly scheduled shows, which is every Sunday night, 11 or 12, with Nancy and myself, uh, you can go to the podcasts and listen to some of the previous broadcasts that spanned uh, beyond a year at WABCRadio.com, or you can actually watch the videos that are being uploaded to YouTube. Uh, they are half-hour programs in which Nancy and I deal with the most serious of animal welfare issues. You uh, type in Red Apple Media, and you can see Nancy explaining at great length why in the most recent episode uploaded, why so many whales are washing ashore, why so many dolphins as they struggle to survive and then they expire. Uh, we'll be getting into that uh, throughout uh, this hour. But first and foremost, you know... We're sitting shiver in the Sliwa household with all of our rescue cats because we lost a cat on Friday who was so close to all of you and obviously closer to Nancy and myself, Tuna, who was the Russian blue, a cat that was smaller in size than an average kitten, who had been so tortured in life, there's no doubt, I don't have the forensic evidence, but when Nancy rescued her from the shelter, she was scheduled to be destroyed and euthanized. She had neurological damage. You can see she had been battered and bruised, but I want to let all of you know, in a time in which we are suffering the loss of our family member, Tuna, she had a will to live like no human, no animal that I have ever experienced. Uh, Nancy, can you sort of share with our audience uh, the history of Tuna? Uh, you can actually go on our Facebook page, and we'll have it posted on our on the WABC Instagram starting on Monday. Uh, all her pictures, uh, her history, some videos, a complete compilation. And you'll understand why this was uh, a really super spectacular family member of ours, uh, Tuna. Would you be kind enough to explain uh, how uh, we were first joined with Tuna as part of our extended family? Yes. 
so we uh, adopted tuna into the household uh, from the kill list at the New York Animal Care and Control. This was on my birthday, um, 2021. So, you know, and and when we got her, you know, like most of the um, animals who are relinquished to the shelter, like very little of their history. Um, Clearly, there was a multitude of medical issues, um, you know, with tuna, and she was already on the restricted list. So, you know, uh, she wasn't available to the public, so you had to be uh, a special group that would adopt her, given the fact that she did have as many um, issues as she had. So when we first, uh, you know, brought tuna home, she couldn't walk at first, so I remember when I had the uh, uh, the first, um, you know, visit with the vet with her, I had the visiting uh, vet come here because, uh, you know, I didn't want to, like, uh, traumatize her with another uh, travel to an, to another vet because she had just traveled from uh, the shelter. And when I went to greet the vet at the door, it's like I had her, like, in a little basket because she wasn't even walking right at the moment. So, you know, obviously, uh, over time, you know, she's gotten better, and, you know, uh, she, you know, she, even though she did have um, a number of issues, and there was, you know, certain things we could do to maybe, like, assist her a little bit comfort-wise, and, you know, I mean, a lot of the things were just more, you know, a little bit too far gone, really, to address with her, so it, it was a question of maybe how long she would live, but, you know, she did live a long time, and she had she had a few bouts with health issues where she would, you know, I thought, oh, maybe this would be the end. And then, you know, she would recover. So, I mean, like speaking to your point of like this will to live, she clearly just kept coming back. And, you know, so it was, you know, it was, but, you know, at this time it was pretty clear that she just didn't really didn't have any, anything left. So, uh, you know, obviously sad to see her, her go, but it was her time. Definitely. Most interesting, uh, we gave her the nickname AARP. She was the oldest of all the cats that live with us. And uh, she would go on a constitution every day like an older person does, where they force themselves to get up and walk around so that they get proper circulation. And she would walk out into the hallway. She would walk up and down, but she would fall from time to time. She was falling, and she couldn't get up. She needed that medical (laughs) alert pendant. And she would struggle to get up, and she would get up and continue her constitution. She knew she had to reach the rear door in the hallway and (laughs) then come all the way back. And then to your credit, Nancy, when she would fall in the apartment, you redid the entire apartment to make it a safe and secure environment for Tuna by putting pads down throughout the apartment uh, that just became the carpeting, and it was super spongy pads, knowing <laughs> that Tuna would fall. And she was already neurologically impaired. She had clearly been abused by whoever she had been with prior to them probably surrendering her to the shelter, and she would fall, and now it was a softer blow to her, and she would struggle and get up and then continue on. She had such a phenomenal will to finish what her task was. Yeah, and, it, you know, uh, like all the little details that really uh, were geared around her to make everything easy for her. So, like, even uh, to, like, the litter boxes themselves, having them be, um, you know, lower in height because, 
you know, she has trouble uh, getting over the bigger ones and like uh, the steps around the apartment. You know, that's because, you know, she can't jump. So it's like, uh, you know, I'm realizing like how many, you know, items and how, how much it's really structured around her um, at this point now. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I mean, obviously it's helped everyone along the way. I'm sure it's, it's good for everyone's uh, joints when they're jumping up and down to have the, the padding on the floor. But, yeah, it definitely was uh, molded for her. And the most amazing thing is that, you know, we believe that animals live under a code survival of the fittest, our Winian. And we have all types of cats that you have rescued uh, from being destroyed and euthanized at the shelters. Really big cats and uh, mid-sized cats. And none of them ever bothered Tuna. It's almost as if they recognized that she was the senior citizen of the colony. Yeah, and, and if anything, I, I would say um, some of the more, like, affectionate ones, they would, you know, try to be friendly with her and, you know, uh, sort of interact with her, like, you know, sort of uh, butting heads or rubbing up against her. But just given her, her small weight and size, like, sometimes they would just knock her over in attempts to be affectionate with her. <laughs> yeah, and then I remember when she wasn't feeling good at different times and you and I both felt this might be the last go-round, she would allow you to pick her up and hug her and keep her with you. And then soon she'd struggle to get back so that she didn't have to be with you. She wanted to show, no, no, I'm okay now. It could be yeah. days later, days later, and she'd get back and struggle. And when she would eat, it would be a struggle. And drink water was a struggle. And go to the litter box, it was a struggle. But the significance of this uh, beautiful Russian blue cat, when her eyes would stare at you, you would melt, is that... We utilized her in my very first TV commercial when I ran against Eric Adams. I couldn't afford to do TV commercials against uh, uh, Fernando Mateo in the Republican primary, but I finally was able to get enough money to do the first TV commercial. And I remember I argued, I said, I'm doing it with tuna because I'm going to make the point why there should be no kill shelters. Yeah. And people said, no, you're out of your mind. I said, nope. Tuna's here for a purpose. Yeah. She survived against all odds. Nancy, on her own birthday, immediately ran out the door. It was a time limit. By 5 o'clock, she was going to be euthanized. And you saved her. You brought her back. And we made her an integral part of the campaign. And to this day, people all over the world want to know how Tuna was doing on a regular basis. It's phenomenal. So I want to thank you, Nancy, for rescuing Tuna, keeping her alive, and giving her a life that she would never have had to make up for the abusive life, clearly, that she had to struggle through before she was surrendered to the uh, to the shelter. Uh, yeah, she was good. She was. Um, she brought a lot of joy to the household, and I think the other cats really had a great time with her. So uh, all around, Tuna was a superstar. And by the way, uh, if people would like to know more about Tuna on our social networking, where, because you put up an extensive history. You can see all the photos and you can see how she was degrading, but how she was struggling. Uh, where can they get that information, Nancy? Yeah, I have on, on your Facebook. So Curtis Lewa Facebook. And I, you know, I put pictures, about 20 of them. So from the time that uh, Tuna first came here and, 
you know, like I have a couple where uh, Tuna's like looking out the windows. You know, Tuna also like to look at the the birds, and you know, like so that that was really like the, her first uh, her first uh, months here, just sitting on the windowsills. And she was called Tuna because she loved Tuna. Well, <laughs> she loved Tuna. She did love Tuna, yes. Our number is one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. As we sit shiver for the loss of our family member Tuna, we view animals as human beings. They're our family members. They're our friends. And in fact, I know for many, uh, as I uh, reported uh, Tuna's loss to our audience overnight and then during the day, Nancy, who themselves acknowledged that the loss of their pet, their family member, their friend was harder to deal with than even a human family member. It's been that way for me. Uh, as much as I love my father, Chester, and love my mother, Francesca, I never cried. You remember? I did not cry uh, upon their departure. But, boy, when Hope passed away, the calico cat we had that you rescued that had terminal cancer, and she lived an additional two years, you were able to get her back on track, and she just had a stroke and died. I cried like a little baby. And the same Fortuna, they get so close to them. Yeah. And they have their own personalities, and they never give you a problem. They never argue with you. It's like all they want to do is just give you love and get love. Yeah, exactly. That's that's been my experience with them. Our number is one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. I want to applaud some of our audience audience members. Went down to the state capitol in Trenton. They were there to support the whales and the dolphins and make sure that no men, no more of them are needlessly washing ashore uh, as they struggle for life and then they die. And uh, Governor Murphy, you know, just paid them no mind, no mind whatsoever, even though hundreds turned out. Some of them environmentalists like myself who are in favor of green energy, in favor of windmills producing energy, but want it stopped now because it appears that the uh, presence of the windmills, the way they're being installed six miles offshore, is causing the whales to lose their own internal guidance system and likewise for dolphins. What was the response of Governor Murphy who thinks he's going to become president in the future? Well, I mean, of, of course, it's it's never really the will of the people. They're not really representing the the public. So, uh, the people who showed up, uh, they were joined by um, a local assembly person as well, who's putting forward, uh, you know, legislation saying we want a moratorium on the wind development until we can determine, you know, if there's any causal connection, and. It, there was a petition uh, in conjunction with, you know, um, assembling outside of the uh, the state house, and it was signed by half a million people. So, I mean, this is something that truly is representing the will of the people, saying we don't want this to continue until we um, investigate further. But, you know, once again, the problem is this uh, continual denial. It you know it starts from you know the top up, which is the federal government, which is responsible for having leased out all of this land to mostly foreign uh, you know foreign organizations, foreign countries who are building. Basically, they're going to be in control of all the energy sources. But what they say, so like for instance, uh, National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, 
Doe, there's no causal connection. There's no evidence. And then you have uh, Governor Murphy saying, well, that's what they said. Therefore, there's no causal connection. Therefore, we're not going to stop. You know, point being, they're not going to stop. It's just it's not happening. It's way too, you know, it's way too far along. There's way too much money invested. And nothing is going to stop it. I mean, short of what I think is probably it's going to have a lot of people who are, I mean, if you have this many people who are interested, I think they're going to, you know, potentially start sabotaging it. You know, I mean, you think of, uh, uh, what, what, is, what is that like, uh, um, the, you know, oceanography, like when they go out and they actually are sort of sabotaging these things? I think that might be what starts happening. That might be what stops it at this point. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you say to yourself, immediately if you're, wanting to pause the development of the windmills that are six miles offshore because there are explosions to embed them into the ocean surface. There's sonar that is used to try to find the right location. They're doing all the right things to put the windmills in. But if it's altering uh, sea life and causing these magnificent mammals to struggle who can't lose, they get become disoriented, and they're washed ashore, and they die a horrible death. Why wouldn't we just put it on pause just to find out if, in fact, they're doing that? What, you're going to put it on pause for six months? We've lived without uh, windmill-generated energy. In fact, uh, you were reading to me how a Norwegian firm was trying to convince people on the south shore of Long Island about uh, how the windmills uh, will be a benefit, there won't be problems, and yet uh, they didn't even want to entertain any discussions how if those windmills are put six miles off of the south shore of uh, Long Island, especially near Suffolk, that it may cause whales there, which there are many, and dolphins, uh, to be disoriented and also start coming ashore. They don't even want to entertain the theory uh, as if they're omnipotent, they're pretentious, they know everything. Yeah, I mean, and again, the the amount of money that's being poured into, uh, you know, different PR campaigns for these different companies to, you know, show why it's so beneficial and why it's not, you know, bad for the oceans and why it's like they're they're going so far over the top out of their way to show that it's okay to try and preempt this clear question that's being posed to them every single day, like what's going on here and why are all these whales and dolphins washing up on shore? They don't even want to entertain it. And remember, these are contracts that are not American. Norway has the contract off the south shore of Long Island. Sweden has the contract for the windmills uh, that are along the Jersey shore. And we say to ourselves, hold on a second. They should have to answer these questions, and because they never thought of this, let's face it, I think we can be perfectly honest, these men and women who have dedicated their lives to figuring out how windmills can uh, uh, generate clean energy, I think the last thing in the world they thought is that the the explosions in the sonar would cause death to the whales and the dolphins. So now all of a sudden they, they, they don't even want to discuss it. And one thing to keep in mind too, the it's the the speed at which with this this is happening. So it it only became um, able to be uh, sold and leased in December. Everything at the only at the start of this year did all these leases um, you know come up for bid, 
and now all this stuff is being built. I mean, imagine construction in New York City. I mean, it takes years and years and years. This stuff is starting within like a month. Now, uh, out west, thank God there's precipitation. There's rain, there's snow, there's sleet, there's ice. Because you and I, we were out there. Remember, we were going up to Reading for a Guardian Angel Conference. And remember that horrible flooding they had. And you somehow navigated it uh, <laughs> navigated through waters. We would have been washed away. You wouldn't have been hearing from Curtis Lee any longer. And Nancy was able to drive through the floods because they had been hit with a torrential downpour. This was before I had my surgery for chronic Crohn's disease. And I was unable to help you. I was like incapable of moving in the car but then all of a sudden they are after horrific drought in one of the greenest of all states california and nearby in colorado and all those states severe drought the worst imaginable and now it's almost like feast and famine they've not only been clobbered with rain and sleet and ice But, I mean, 18 feet of snow in places that never had that kind of snow before, 19, 20 feet of snow. They're all applauding. I understand. That means there's going to be water in the reservoirs, water in the wells, water in the breadbasket of America, which is in central California. But there is a, a, a side effect. Could you please explain that? Okay, so um, in terms of the amount of uh, precipitation that's fallen in the West, so in relation to uh, what would be considered big game herds, so uh, different types of deer, um, sheep, elk. Now, where the snow has, uh, so now, and this encompasses like Utah, Wyoming, Idaho, these areas, where the winters are, have been so cold and the snow has fallen so much. So all of these animals that have gone into hibernation, uh, you know, when they wake up from the hibernation, at that time, their, you know, their system is so weak and they're supposed to now be able to, uh, you know, their their immunity is compromised because they haven't eaten anything. And there is supposed to be um, food on the ground for them to eat. But the problem is because the snow is so thick and the temperature has remained so cold, there's like a um, almost like a permafrost on the ground. They're not able to get anything. So what's happening is uh, these animals are actually starving to death. And um, in the past year, so as these animals have have come out of hibernation in the past year, there's been a 70% um, mortality rate with the adults and approaching 100% for, um, like, for instance, the deers, the fawns being born. This is incredibly massive what's happening here because this is threatening the entire population in this area right now that none of the, the um, you know, the babies being born are going to survive. And this is causing them to have to um, rethink uh, ways to increase the population. Since there's no food on the ground, <clears throat> they've been putting down feeding stations to supplement the lack of food. So, I mean, this is really becoming a dire situation there. Well, it's all a result, I believe, of uh, global warming, climate change, these extreme changes from uh, feast to famine, drought to excess. But anyway, when we come back, uh, Nancy, we've got to start taking calls. There's a whole board of calls, as there always is, when we do the Animal Welfare Hour out of the many hours that they do at WABC. 
Uh, it is where I get the most feedback, the most calls, the most social networking responses. And as you all know now, you can get a video once a week. It's been uploaded on YouTube exclusive to WABC. You type in Red Apple Media. And this week you can see Nancy explaining the extraordinary deaths of these whales and these dolphins and how the people putting those windmills offshore, six miles offshore, don't want to even entertain that maybe what they're doing is putting the whales and dolphins in harm's way. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Over the course of human history, there's been Noah's Ark, savior of mankind. St. Francis of Assisi's foregoing his wealth to be savior of all animals. And Curtis Sliwa, guardian angel and savior of New York City, protecting both man and beast. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents... Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. From bipeds to quadrupeds and everything in between. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. To the phones we go, Nancy. It's Marianne calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Hour at WABC, Marianne. Curtis, hey, how are you guys? Well, with Sitting Shiva, we lost our... Our cat, Tuna, like everyone that has a friend and a family member, it's it's a tough time for us. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. No, so so I heard, I'm sitting with five rescues myself. Three of them are Russian blues. So uh, I hear you. Uh, but I'm not calling to talk about cats right now, though I've got a lot of stories. I'm calling to talk to you about all the whales and dolphins washing up here on the shore because I live in Manasquan. Mm. And so what's being not talked about is they're, they're washing up, but they're washing up dead. Right. So the bottom line is there is nothing. There's no drilling going on right now off off coast. It's the sonar. I have heard now you've got to talk to Clean Ocean Action. I am not a I'm not an environmentalist. I'm not a biologist. I did graduate from college with a degree in environmental science, but I'm not qualified to speak at that level at this point. But but the thing is, from what I've understood. And I did go to the rally in Point Pleasant about a month ago or more so. Um, It seems as though the sonar is causing the whales and the dolphins to incur temporary deafness. So now think about this. Why would a whale or a dolphin just swim into a boat? Right? Their sonar should be so... So excellent, they know it's coming, and they will avoid it. What's coming in, they're dead already. They've been hit by boats. Why? That's the question. Why? And now also, keep in mind, the sonar mapping is going on now. 
Now, mark my words, it'll be done before Memorial Day, because do you think they're going to want... No. <laughs> uh, what, a whale floating in between, uh, right, right? Because you're going to say, oh, watch out, little Johnny. Exactly, exactly. Horrible, behind horrible you, optics. Okay? <laughs> yes, exactly, Nancy. I'm telling you, they're doing this on purpose. They know it. They know to a degree it's going to harm or end or kill because the, because they're, they're, they're temporarily deaf. And the worst thing here is that when they start drilling hundreds of my well, not hundreds, well, I'm not sure of the depths in this ocean floor, to put these things up, these animals, marine animals, will then turn permanently deaf. There's way more damage that's going to go on here than anyone's even thinking about. But the, but the biggest thing is as far as the reward versus the risk, there is no reward here, right? Because the most expensive form of of energy, and we're doing it off coast, but not off that coast. It's only going to be about uh, 20 miles off of LBI. People going to the beach are going to see these things, right? So, that, and, and I read that they're like 850 feet high. Yep. You the, will see that. Well, the other thing is with Donald Trump in the news, years ago he made the argument that those windmills kill birds, and a lot of people laughed at him. But it is true. Those are huge propellers, and flocks of birds will fly through and just be shredded. So, look, there's a way to generate clean energy and to use windmills. It's been done in California up in the hills. Vacaville, I've described it before, which is – uh, where the criminally insane are held. In fact, uh, Charlie Manson was held there. It's on your way from San Francisco to Sacramento. I passed it many times. And they figured out a way uh, to prevent the birds from being slaughtered, which out in the ocean, uh, obviously, they're not even thinking about that yet. Let's go, if we can, to uh, Pete, who's calling from Long Island. Your turn to be heard here at the Animal Welfare Hour at WABC. Pete. Hey, Nancy and Curtis. I, I, I'm going through a bad time with my my little dog, uh, Jack. Um, you know, I, I spent five thousand dollars in the last month trying to keep him alive. Cause I love him, I love him so much. Uh, but I, I don't know what to do. I mean, he's he's shaking. You know, he's not eating. Uh, you know, what 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 should I what should I do? Uh, now tell us, you know, uh, Pete. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your dog. How long has he been a member of your family? And he's been fifteen years. Mm. I had him since he was a pup. And when uh, recently uh, did it seem that he started? My little pal. No, no. There's no doubt your family member, your pal. But when did it seem he was starting to have physical problems? Uh, yeah, about 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 a month ago. Two months ago, hmm. you know, he, he wasn't eating, and uh, you know, I took him to the vet, and uh, and, and they gave him some medicine, an appetite increase in medicine, and he he was eating, and uh, but now he's just, you know, uh, he's just deteriorating. You know, he's a little dog. He's a little dog. He's a beast. Shot. You know, he was, you know, he was always twenty pounds. Now he's ten pounds. I, I I don't know what to do. Should, should I put him down? Or I don't want him. I don't want him to suffer. 
you know. Well, that's uh, the point, Pete, and my conversations with Nancy about tuna because she had such a strong will I to know, I'm live. Sorry about your tuna. Right, but I, mean, I really am. Towards the end, tuna was in, incapable of opening her eyes, and I know what that's from because I've had that kind of severe pain myself. Luckily, I was able to recover. But when the eyes close, it's because the pain that they're being racked with in their body, they can't express it the way a human would is so severe and it begins to deteriorate the body. You have to seriously consider what's in the best interest of your pal. And it may well be that nothing medically can be done. And it may be in the best interest to have your pal euthanized so that your pal does not have to suffer any longer. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm so sorry about your tuna. And uh, I, I, I I appreciate your uh, advice, and I guess I'm going to have to do that. You know, I'll tell you, Curtis, I'm a big guy. I'm 6'4", six, six, almost 300 pounds, and I got this little dog that I, I, I love him so much. It's unbelievable, you know? Ah, oh, man. No, uh, Pete, I lost my mother. I lost my father. As you know, listening to me, I had the greatest relationship with my parents. I know. I I know you. I I, I, I listen to you all the time. I know. I never cried for their passage. And yet, like you, I'm a pretty big guy, pretty tough guy. But when I lost hope, when we lost hope, I cried like a baby. And now with Tuna... I've cried so often. It's 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 painful, and it will linger, and it's not going to go away. It just shows you when people talk about animals and they talk about they're not the equal of humans, Nancy. In many instances, we're closer to our animal family members because they just they they bond to us. No matter who, what what problems we have, uh, how uh, we may not be attentive to them. They are so loyal, so loyal, even on your worst day. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, I, I think also when they're they're older, and obviously you want to do as much as you can for them, but I, I, I think there is an element of sometimes they're hanging on for you because they know that how much you love them, but that's really what it is. It's like it's hard to say to them, oh, I, I'm, I know I need to let you go, but... That's the thing, like, they, I mean, they don't want to make, it's almost like they're still loyal till the end. Like, they don't want to leave you because they know you're going to be sad, but sometimes it's just, that's how much they love you. But it, sometimes it's just how it, you know, that's the relationship. It's, yeah, it's, it's such a tough, it's a tough moment. It's a tough moment. Well, just to equate it to humans, uh, a human will be in such horrific pain that they'll put him in hospice, like the former president, Jimmy Carter, is now. And he's probably pumped with pain-killing drugs like morphine, other drugs, to to ward off the pain because it can be so intense. There's, in most instances, there's no recovery from that. Uh, so modern medicine and mom, modern pharmaceuticals make passage into the hereafter uh, a lot less painful than it used to be. But remember, it's not that way for pets uh, and our family friends, our, our little four-legged uh, friends and family members. 
they suffer incredible pain because there's no hospice for them. That's true. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So people out there, as close as you are to them, when they reach that point, they're not going to recover, and it's it's needless to let them suffer like that. Needless. Let's go to Phyllis, who's calling from Queens. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Hour, Phyllis. Ah, yes, thank you so much. Hello, Nancy and Curtis. How are you both? I'm so sorry to hear about Tuna, and your story of her was so moving. It brought me to tears when I heard you. Was it yesterday or the day before? I, I wasn't able to get through on the line, but I want to tell you how I... I give you my condolences, and you made me think of my cat who died in my arms, one of my many rescue cats, um, my sweet little princess. Um, she had cancer, and the tumor created a fluid which would fill up in her lungs and make it hard for her to breathe. So several times we had it drained, but the very last time was really the worst, and I, the vet sent me to a place so, so far away. It took forever to get there. By the time we got there, she was really far gone. So they said to me, you know, you can't keep doing this. You can't keep draining her. It's not fair to the cat. You have to let her go. And I didn't want to, and she didn't want, I knew she wanted to live so much, too. Mm. But finally, and I had found her father in the snow on my birthday, and I found her mother in the elevator shaft of my building where the children threw her down. And this was the daughter of those two surviving cats. And, um, you know, she really wanted to live. She was so elegant and everything, but I had to let her go. Unfortunately, I didn't get to grieve enough because at that moment, I had to do a performance that day. I'm a musician, and I was performing, uh, of all things, for Purim, the carnival, the tra-la-la thing, you know, happy, happy, and I wasn't happy. So I couldn't get anyone to substitute for me, So and I didn't feel it was right to let people down at the last minute. So the, the vet kept the cat for me, and I went to the show, and um, I dedicated a song. I said, this is for my best friend. I didn't tell the people it was for my cat. I just said, I'm dedicating this to my best friend, and I sang that. And afterwards, I just started to cry at the end, and this lady said, what's the matter, dear? And I said, I'm sorry, I lost my cat. And they were all so nice to me. The people were so kind to me at that moment. It was it was so such a mixture, you know, of their joy and my sadness. It was... But I really miss the little cat now, you know. But what was her? What was her name? Princess. Mm. And she looked just like her mother. Her mother was this beautiful tabby cat, and she was tabby with a little red mark on her head because Gingy, her father, was Gingy. He was red, red-haired. So she had him. She had the mark from him. They all had catastrophic illnesses at the time. We had these cell phone towers all around the apartment, and I think that they all. I had four at the time together, and they all passed away from different things and they were all my rescue babies and and i love them so much i have two more now that i rescued now good. that live with me who are very healthy at the moment good. good and they all they all have ladies and gentlemen their own unique individual personalities but we have many many cats and many that nancy has rescued before they were euthanized at the shelter and she gets them back into medical condition and then she socializes them so she can adopt them out, foster them out. I don't remember out of the dozens of cats that you've rescued, Nancy, any two that had a similar disposition. They all had totally different personalities. Oh, yeah, of course. And, you know, when they're, um, you know, tiny, like like the kittens, they take they take a while to express their personalities Uh and then, you know, the ones that we adopt when they're older, uh, sometimes, you know, you won't know how they are until like six months in. 
and then all of a sudden they just get comfortable and their personality starts to show. So, you know, that sort of warming up can, can take a while for them as well. For sure. 1-800-848-9222. WABC. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. Now with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. A lot of the animal welfare program this evening has been dealing with animal death. We've talked about the whales and the dolphins washing up shore, on shore, and the just, I'll just call it the inability of those who might be responsible to show any sensitivity. Uh, Governor Murphy, shame on you, the way you handled the rally that uh, took place in Trenton on Thursday. Hundreds turned out, and he was just uh, insensitive, cool, uh, icy. You know, it's almost like uh, uh, he was just just incapable of understanding why people would be there to demonstrate. Imagine a half a million signatures begging him, beseeching them to call for a halt uh, to the sonar that's being used to find places for the windmills that are being posted six miles offshore. And then, of course, uh, callers who have expressed uh, what it's like to lose their dogs and cats and the trauma they've gone through, which is similar to what Nancy and I are going through now for the loss of tuna. Let's go, if we can, to Pat in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition of WABC. Hi, Curtis. Hi, Nancy. Um, really touching comments tonight about the animals. And I heard you the other night with Tuna, um, when Tuna uh, went on to Rainbow Ridge. Um, the man that was on the phone before, if I can just add something to this, I found that when you have to have a pet, euthanized, um, I would, when I would take the animal to the vet, I would ask them to sedate them first before they put them under because I think it's less stressful on the, on the caretaker's part and on the animal. Mm. No, that's good advice, uh, Nancy. I know that that's been done when we've had to bring some of our uh, prior cats uh, to be euthanized. Uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, the, uh, that's um, definitely always been done, um, you know, with any of the the cats that we've had. Uh, one of the huge issues with the city shelters is that when, you know, they, when they do that, which obviously they do it quite a lot, they don't give the sedation. So they just give the the euthanization drug right away. So that's like very traumatizing to them in an already like super traumatizing situation. And also I think it's incumbent upon you to make sure you're in the room holding your dog's paw or your cat's paw, whichever animal uh, has to be euthanized at that point. And uh, as they slowly sort of keel off into a eternal sleep, the last thing they have is you holding them. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. 
Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. And in many instances, talking to them, assuring them. Uh, I know I did that with my father, Chester, uh, before he passed on. I did that with my grandfather, Fidelo Bianchino, was 99. He died in my arms. Uh, he was having the death rattle. But you say a few words. You reassure them that it's all going to be all right. Just rest. It's, it's your turn to go in internal peace. Do the same thing you would do with a human being. Same thing. And we've done that, Nancy. We've yeah, done I that. mean, I'm, I'm always, again, I've always been with them as well. Uh, you know, I have the same uh, opinion at, that, you know, you should be with them. And also, I, you know, if you, if you weren't with them, you know, by default, they're with strangers. I, you know, I can't imagine that being, you know, anything that makes any sense whatsoever. It's like that just seems, I don't know, I, I could never imagine doing that. No, and in fact, uh, with Tunis passing, it was approximately 1130 on Friday that you informed me that it, it was just too overwhelming for Tunis. She couldn't open her eyes. She was clearly racked with pain. And I couldn't be with you as I've been before because I was on the air at 12. And uh, I was able to talk to Tuna for 10 minutes on the phone as Nancy kept the phone right near Tuna's ear. And I'm sure the combination of hearing my voice and Nancy's reassuring voice provided for her, who had had such a difficult life, so abused by whoever she was with previously, uh, discarded in the uh, shelter because they were thought she wasn't worth saving, and then to have a renewed opportunity at life and know, she had to know uh, that the end was near as much as she struggled. She was a survivor of, uh, I've never seen a human being uh, nor an animal with that kind of uh, desire to survive, uh, I would have to think you talking to her and holding her and cuddling her, Tuna, in her last moments uh, on this plane, and then me being able to talk to her for 10 minutes on the phone uh, had to make uh, the de- very difficult process for her just so much easier. And it's it's just the right thing to do. It's like, I don't care how busy you are, whatever you're doing, just don't leave them. Uh, to the vet or a shelter or anyone else to euthanize them. Sometimes you have no choice because they die suddenly or suddenly there's a sudden uh, stroke or sudden situation that grips their body and they they have to be euthanized. And and that's traumatic for anybody who can't be there with their family member, their pet, their friend for life. But if you can be there, you must. And you must talk to that animal because that animal understands you. Don't kid yourself. That animal understands you like any human being would understand you. So uh, we've shared our grief. We know that many of you are still grieving for your family members, your, your little pets, your little friends that you've had over the years. Nancy, I visited people where oftentimes uh, they have pictures of their lost family members, you know, 
position in their home, normally their living room, and they'll have their pets, and I'm assuming that it's a pet that's alive, and they tell me the pet's no longer with them, but they consider that pet equal to any family member that they've ever had. If anyone is in need of uh, continuing the conversation or getting further information from you, Nancy, how how can they do that? Uh, They can visit uh, guardianangels.org and go to the Animal Protection tab, or uh, you can email me directly, nancy, at guardianangels.org. And let me make a suggestion because there are many people going through this process who could not hear this show Many of you out there, it will be on the podcast. You can download it as you can any of these animal welfare shows at wabcradio.com. Send it to those people. Let them hear Nancy, myself, and all the callers describe the pain and suffering that they've gone through and what it was like for their, their family member, their pet. Very important. And, again, you can go and get the video of the week This has to do with the torture that the whales and the dolphins are going through as they wash ashore. Uh, It's a half-hour video once a week exclusive to WABC. It's on YouTube. You type in Red Apple Media. And please share those two. People can never get enough information about the furry little creatures who both Nancy and I consider to be our equals. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.